Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless as he talks to successful real estate professionals and ask them to share their best advice ever. From deal syndicators to wholesalers, flippers, property managers, pest inspectors, and everyone in between. It's the best ever advice and none of the fluff. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Lauren Bellesteros. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Joe. How are you guys doing today? Good, and I'm excited to have you on the show. You are a true entrepreneur at heart uh, with a real estate background and with a crazy good marketing background. As I've mentioned to you before, I believe you are a true marketing genius, and I don't use that word lightly. You are one of the savviest marketers I know, and it's going to be fascinating to talk to you about your best ever advice from a real estate investing standpoint. Uh, Lauren has done multiple TED Talks on entrepreneurship. She has done wholesaling as a real estate investor. She's worked in marketing companies in New York City, and she most recently co-founded La Brooklyn House, spelled H-A-U-S, which is a five-bedroom bed and breakfast in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and in just over a year and a half, she achieved um, a little under six figures in revenue. So mm-hmm. really impressive entrepreneurship background. And Lauren, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on uh, what you've been up to from a real estate investing standpoint, entrepreneur standpoint, and what you're focused on next? Mm-hmm. So from a real estate standpoint, um, I started off in wholesaling. It was I want to do invest in properties and realized very quickly that unless – and at the time I was, God, like 23 years old. I just gotten back from working at the State Department in Rome, Italy, thought I was going to be a diplomat and realized way too much red tape. So wanted to invest, realized I didn't have money to do that. I mean, I just come out of college in a recession. Um, and you know all about raising money for apartments, Joe. So I was like, what, what is it that I can do? Started taking some courses, began wholesaling, started to see a lot of traction in Buffalo and realized, you know, as much as this could be a booming business here, I don't want to live in Buffalo, New York. Like, God love it, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> it was just not, you know. Not my, a bu- you're not a Buffalo Bills fan? I, you know, I am and I don't follow football. Like, it's just sort of my default. Like, you know, I'm proud to be in some ways, like I'm, I have pride, but, um, you know, I was like, no, this isn't a booming economy. Like I want to go where ideas are, where people are, et cetera. And at that time too, with real estate, with wholesaling, you're dealing with a certain demographic of people who they've gotten into them. They've gotten themselves into a really tough situation typically. So You know, you're not really dealing with like idea people or people who are seeing the world from an abundance standpoint. You're dealing with people who are in really dire situations. Um, And that demographic for me was while I was able to do it, I didn't find it particularly enjoyable. 
So when I moved to New York, I'd put real estate on hold and I was like, I know I'm going to go back to it. I have this weird thing. I love real estate and people think it's so funny. Like this brand or marketer chick who like loves real estate, um, went to New York and a few years into it was like, I would love to pick up some apartments and re-rent them. And I was reading about master leases and again, ways to get into apartments, you know, without having to have a whole lot of income up front, a whole lot of money. I didn't want to go raise money and um, had an apartment in Brooklyn. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to live here anymore, but I have time on the lease. So why don't I keep it, um, rent it? At the time, I was using Airbnb heavily and some other sites to drive leads to like have it rented out 24-7. Did well with that. And I was like, well, if I can do it with a two-bedroom, I'm like, why wouldn't I go and find a five-bedroom and sort of run it like a bed and breakfast? Um, we ran the numbers, found an apartment three blocks from where I was in a quickly gentrifying neighborhood, which means there was demand. So it was already being seen as a little bit sexier, but the prices were still lower. So met the landlord, negotiated um, below market rent, figured out the numbers based on what we were renting from the other place. We're very conservative with what we were estimating um, and ended up having that for a little bit over a year and did really, really well with it. So that the Brooklyn house isn't in existence at this moment. Those I'm actually on the West Coast right now, and my partner and I aren't together at the moment. Um, but I plan to be doing something similar to that when I establish myself a bit more in San Francisco or in another city, maybe do it in New York. From an entrepreneur standpoint, I love blogging and I love teaching people similar to you, Joe. So um, getting back into the swing of things, a lot of stuff has changed in the past year, and I'm just sort of you know, getting my footing and so I can start building again. But real estate is a great way to make money, cash flow especially. Um, and I don't think I'll ever grow out of it or ever grow tired of it. I really like it. <laughs> With the building in Brooklyn, is it essentially negotiating with an owner, a one, a master lease? Um, so, you know, you pay him or her X amount, and that covers the rent for the re all the apartments. And then you go on mm -hmm. Airbnb and rent out each of those apartments individually. And then they're, in theory, renting in total for more than the master lease. And you make the difference minus expenses. Mm -hmm. So for us, we went in there, and it was like they didn't know us, and we didn't have a huge track record. I couldn't point to 50 buildings I'd done this with, right? So I was like, listen, let us try it with this one apartment. It's going to go well. Um, and you know we're doing this. We needed – I knew the numbers go – this is like when you talk about the best piece of advice. Like you need to know the numbers going in. It's really easy, especially – you know, some people are just solely driven by numbers. I like beautiful things. That's also why I enjoyed creating a bed and breakfast in terms of the branding and the logo. I created an entire experience for people. But – that shouldn't, at the end of the day, be the, you can't only look at that. Like you have to look at, okay, at the end of the day, on my worst month, on my, in my worst year, assuming I, I'm only, we used to figure it at like half, you know, 50% occupancy rate. Are we breaking even? Are we losing money? Like based on seasonal changes, all of that, figuring that out. So you go into the apartment, we got, we negotiated the first one. We knew that two other, it was an eight unit building. Each of them had four or five bedrooms. We knew that two of the apartments were going to be, they weren't finished yet. So in the coming months, they would be finished. And it was a matter of just positioning it like, hey, this is what we're doing here. Um, it's going to go well. You're going to get your rent 
every month on time, probably even earlier. You're never going to have to hear from us so long as you do your job. And we're going to take better care of this apartment than any other tenant you're ever going to have. And on top of that, you're not going to have turnover. So also it's understanding to the person you're selling to. So like in our case, we had our landlord, um, they don't want high turnover. At least our landlord didn't. So I knew that like us telling them we were going to be there for a while and they wouldn't have to worry about people um, and tenants was like a really big plus for them. So I positioned it like that with the understanding that at the end of the day, I want to be able to rent all of these apartments. You know what it is that I'm doing. Um, and we'll figure it out from there. So after we had the first apartment, um, the building itself, there were issues with it later on. And so the master lease, we never made it that far to have the other two apartments to do it with. But had we been doing that, we would have been doing very, very, very well. Um, and you don't just use Airbnb. I mean, Airbnb is really a lead gen site to, to fill your rooms. I mean, it's community driven. Peep the, I like it more than some other sites because of the quality of tenant or guest that you get. But um, it's also a lot more handholding. So you have to set expectations for your apartment, like are they renting the whole thing? Are you going to be there talking to them? Like all that stuff. But um, And there are other sites that you can use too. Airbnb we had the best experience with in terms of like driving leads. Um, and we were at a 98% occupancy rate. We were almost entirely booked all the time, even in down seasons. What are the other sites? The other sites didn't really work. Mm -hmm. I'd have to, I could pull up a list of them, but honestly, like we had the best experience with Airbnb with going on Craigslist and with also word of mouth. So the other thing too, is like, if you have a situation where you are having like guests, we were creating situations where by people referring us to other folks, either their friends got something free or they got a discount or if our repeat guests came back. So we had like one girl who ended up referring like 10 people to us. And these are people who stayed for like two weeks. So I wanted to not be dependent on these other sites. And I wanted to create a community separate from like just getting leads from Airbnb and Craigslist so that we can market to them and create our own audience. And those folks continually coming back to us every time they or someone else comes to New York. So that was really the vision. Yeah, that's really smart. Creating your own that way you're not dependent on one lead generation site but it's it's happening through word of mouth and then through other channels Mm -hmm. based on your experience your cumulative experience of entrepreneurship having la brooklyn house doing wholesaling what is your best real estate investing advice ever there's like 1.1 and 1.2 the first one is looking at the numbers like And being realistic, like especially when you start, I remember one of the first pieces of advice I got um, when I was learning how to wholesale as I said something on like my property and the guy was like, you know, the the guy teaching me at the time, the coach was like, don't, it's not your property yet. Like you don't want to get too emotionally attached and you want to have enough properties and just deals in your pipeline that you can one, analyze them and be like a bit emotionally detached from it because it's really easy to like walk into a property and like, especially if you're someone like me who like, like I, like I'm, I don't want to say visionary. That sounds really vain, but like, I like to see things grow. So I'll step in, I'll see the potential for something. I'll see the marketing plan. I'll see the branding. I'll see who we're going to market to. I'll see the whole thing. But that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the fact, like assuming none of that happens or all of it happens at the end of the day, how much money are you, how much money are you keeping? Um, which brings me to my second piece of advice. So at the end of that, 
So we had, we did a little over, a little under 100K. It was actually in the course of like, because we left in January, it was like 11 months, we did about 100K. We walked away with about 30K net at the end of that with rent, expenses, I mean, a, a lot of laundry, food, all of that. So you figure if we had four properties and we were doing that, that's 120K right there. Or I'm sorry, like four units within the same building. And it would have been pretty easy to manage because it was in the same building. So understanding one, like where you're at, two, what are you taking, how much money are you keeping at the end of it? Because I could tell you, oh, uh, you know, we made 100K off this like five unit or five bedroom um, apartment. That's not how much we kept. We kept about 30K. Um, On its own, it's okay. But you add to that and you have four of those. And all of a sudden you're talking about, wow, like this is like, this is some nice money coming in every single month. And because I did the numbers right, I, I can estimate my bare minimum cash flow. So I guess don't be overly optimistic and know some months are going to be worse than others. Like if you're renting February in different months, like it can get really slow. So knowing your numbers going in prepares you for down seasons, for sudden expenses and um, from getting in too deep and spending too much money. How, how, how does someone in a market who has a, a house – with maybe an extra room that they want to start renting out because this could be a great way to start building up cash to invest in exactly. property for yourself. How does someone estimate what the vacancy rate will be for their place because it's easy to find that out for a rental property um, but you're dealing with a different audience when you're talking about travelers mm-hmm. How did you determine what that projection would be? So really quick, like the, I'm going to answer that and to go back to the piece about saving to invest. Yes. So part of the reason and the big reason I did this, remember, I didn't want to wholesale because of the demographic. So doing this meant that, especially on paper, it's showing that you're making regular consistent income. So for someone like me who was a freelancer, entrepreneur, regular income wasn't like always a standard thing. Some months you make a lot of money, some months you don't make a lot of money. So having this showed on paper significant income every single month, which is leverage when you want to go get other apartments because they're looking and saying, oh, you're making this amount of money every month. If you do it right, you're never really using your own money. You're just using the money from these businesses. Then you have to budget right, but it's really just OPM, other people's money. I wasn't Getting the apartment, I used some of my money, but everything else after that was coming from the apartment. It it wasn't anything out of my pocket. So that's the first thing. So yes, to that point, that's a big reason that we were doing it, and I'm going to do it again. Um, The second piece, how people factor in. So if you're if you're looking at travelers, you can look at you can look at things like. So if you're on something like Airbnb, um, you're going to want to look a few things. One, if you live in an area that's close to a city and close to public transportation. Like, is it, a, is it a high tourist area? If it's not a place that a ton of people are coming to, you can tell that by the amount of hotels, the amount of conferences, the amount of events. Like, if, and you know your city. Like, if no one really comes and visits your city, like I'm from Buffalo, New York, Airbnb and, and hostels, look at that too. How many hostels do you have? If there's already, if there aren't existing businesses servicing closer to your demographic and a hostel is closer than a high-end hotel for an Airbnb in some cases, then, and you don't have a ton of events coming to your city, you don't, it's, you know, like Buffalo, it's not like a booming city. Opening an Airbnb there or opening any kind of like rental property 
while the cost is lower, you're also not going to get as much money when people do rent it. And the sheer number of people that come isn't going to be as much. So you want to look at other businesses in that area that are supporting the same thing you are. Hostels, some hotels, depending upon the kind of, you know, apartment or building you're going to be renting. Um, how many events, whatnot, how close to the city center are you? And then the second piece is when you go to rent these things out, you can rent to people for, you don't have to rent to travelers. So for example, in the summer, there's huge demand in New York. All these students from overseas are coming. They need a room or they need something furnished for like two to three months. If I were renting to a standard New Yorker, I might've been able to get 900 to a thousand for the room. But if I rented to people coming from overseas, I knew that I could get upwards of 15 to 1600 with utilities included. So you actually don't have to just rent to travelers. The main key here is you need to negotiate under, you need, it needs to be under market rent so that whatever, again, this is wholesaling, essentially, whatever you charge after that is going into your pocket. Um, and if you're on a site like Airbnb or any of these other sites, you'll see how booked other rooms are in your area. Um, so even if you're not on Airbnb, go on Airbnb, try to search a rental in that area and see what they're charging, check their reviews to make sure people are staying, and look at their calendar to see how booked they are. Calendar is not 100% accurate, though, because people can just fake that. But um, that's what you'll want to look at. And keep in mind, you don't have to rent to just travelers. You can rent to like people who are coming into the city for longer term. And if it's furnished, charge a higher rent. You won't make as much because there's not as much turnover, but you'll still make a profit. I guess the one difference, though, that as you're talking makes me think of between this and wholesaling is with wholesaling, if you aren't able to find a buyer, and in this case and with with your the rental, it would be uh, travelers or students or whomever, um, then with wholesaling – you do not exercise your option to purchase uh, because it's you know mm -hmm. Joe Fairless and or signs, and then you walk away from the deal. Uh, perhaps you lose the earnest money that you put down, but that's always a risk going into it. But with this, how do you mitigate the risk? Because if you sign a master lease for a year, then you are personally liable to pay that on a monthly basis so it's mm -hmm. it seems like unless i'm missing something there's a greater degree of risk and commitment with this versus a traditional wholesale mm -hmm. so with wholesaling i meant the concept of wholesaling works because you're getting something at a discount and you're going to sell it for more so like if i know for example this property is worth i don't know fifty thousand dollars and minus repairs i know that right now like if it were perfect it pristine it's 50k Right now, as is, it's 30K, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this. I'm going to give it to you. I can promise you 10K. And anything over 10K that I then flip that property for, I'm going to make that profit. So with this, it's similar in that you have to negotiate the lower rent. That's really the only similarity I was referring to in terms of wholesaling. For sure, there's more obligation when you sign because now it's like you're on the hook for this rent. A few things. If you've never gotten your feet wet with something like this, like try something small. You can try something as simple as like, like my partner at the time was really resistant to it, like not as, you know, a risk taker. And he was much more of like the engineering, go slow type. Um, and we tried it out with like a room. We tried it out with a room in one of the apartments that we had. And then that turned into that whole apartment. And then that turned us into us having two apartments 
with the goal of having a master lease for this entire building. So start small. Um, and the thing too, if you're going to do a master lease, like I'm assuming you're already in a certain kind of position to be doing that because you'll have to show, like you have to show the, you have to show the income first off, you have to show that you're able to do it. Like, it's not like you just walk into a building and say like, Hey, I promise I'll run this and I'm going to manage it. Give me all your, give me all your apartments and I'm going to, I'm going to do this with it. Like for us, we had to build a relationship and show income and show it was like, Hey, like we can do this. Um, and once we had a reputation with the landlord, if these landlords have other properties, it's like, and they trust you, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this in this other property and in this one and that one. Um, for sure though, there's more of an obligation because in one you lose earnest money and you're like, okay, I wasn't able to flip it. Not worst thing in the world. In this case, yeah, if you don't rent it, it's on you, which is why doing the numbers and understanding your area is so important. But that goes for any real estate deal. Right. Wholesaling a little bit less because you're, you don't have as much skin in the game, but for you to flip a property fast and well, you need to know the market to even know what to offer or else you don't make as much money. Yep. Yeah, it, you're right. It goes for any real estate deal. I was on a call with my investors uh, the other day and the question came up of, well, what if we can't resell the property and we can't get financing Whenever the mortgages do, you know, whenever the balloon payments, do, I was like, well, then we lose the property. I mean, that's just that's just mm -hmm. real estate. I mean, that's the risk that we have. But that's with any real estate property in the world. And here's all the things that we're doing to mitigate that risk. And obviously, we're in a, we're in a very good position. Um, so, knock on wood, that won't happen. But there's there certainly is always risk in that where once you buy a property, I mean, if you buy a four unit in you know Sioux Falls, um, then you still have to rent out all four of those units or at least enough to cover the mortgage. And um, you mm -hmm. know if you don't, then then you're going to be paying out of pocket or or it's going to go back to the the lender. Lauren, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I think I am. <laughs> Okay, well, we're about to see if, if that's true or not. Best ever book you've read? So recently, The Alchemist. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it? Oh, God. Um, I would say living – I lived in Cuba, um, in La Habana, Cuba for six-ish months. And what I learned from it was that um, love and hate – can exist within the same realm. Like what we think are opposites. Like you can have two seemingly opposite feelings and thoughts about something and they can reside in the same space. So not everything is black and white. And in Cuba, I learned that most things aren't. Um, that was a big one. Best ever success habit you practice? <sighs> um, meditation and decompressing. So I'm someone that I have a lot of energy and a lot of the work I do depends on that. And so giving myself time to just do nothing and like be around no one and just like exist and like uh, just like let go of everything throughout the day allows me to move faster on a more consistent basis as opposed to like push, 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 burnout. I can like, you know, what do they say? The turtle versus the hare. Um, it gives me a better sense of pace. Best ever deal you've done. The Brooklyn house, bringing on those two apartments in Brooklyn was thus far my biggest success. And I hope to have more in the very near future. 
best ever quote? It is a quote from a poem. It goes, when it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world by Mary Oliver. Um, that's a quote that I think I, I live by. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. It's like, I want to do something. And wow. something big wow. and meaningful and and not just sit on my ass. Yeah. Which I'll... is okay too sometimes, but not today. What's the best ever place to reach you? My blog, laurenbalaceros.com. There's a contact form. It goes right into my inbox. And um, I love hearing from readers and people who have questions, so that'd be the best place. All right, and I will put that in the show notes so everybody can go check it out. Is there anything else, Lauren, that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Um, I would just say that life's short. Do it. And there's going to be a lot of, or especially if you're a newbie, um, there's a million things that could go wrong and you're not going to be able to prepare for everything. Pre- prepare for what you can and just enjoy the ride. I know that's so cliche, but like you're going to have stuff that comes up that you didn't expect. That's just the nature of life. That's the nature of this business. So enjoy it and realize that at the end, having consistent money every month without having to do a whole lot of work, you do the work up front, is not such a bad gig. Very true. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the listeners and uh, wish you nothing but the best. I always love talking to you. You're an inspiration and I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Likewise. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.